Hey folks, this is Bob Frazier. Thanks for joining me as we take a walk through Oklahoma history. After the death of his wife Jane in 1948, Frank Phillips' life began to slow down. He spent more time visiting with employees at company picnics, visiting with old friends, and spending as much time as he could from the front porch of his lodge home at Woolarock, soaking in that beautiful view of Clyde Lake, just like so many visitors at Woolarock do today. Frank's health was starting to failing. This strong titan of industry who had spent his entire life dealing with Wall Street power brokers, influential politicians, and corporate leaders, was starting to show his age, and with it, his memory often began to fail him. And for a man who took great pride in having a razor-sharp mind, Frank was frustrated by showing any sign of weakness or frailty. In early March 1949, Frank Phillips resigned his position as chairman of Phillips Petroleum Company, the company that he founded along with his brother, L.E. Phillips, 32 years earlier. Frank was confident that he was leaving the company in very capable hands with K.S. Boots Adams as president and a very capable management team behind him. Frank Phillips was a unique man, driven to be successful. He smelled opportunity at a very young age, and he never looked back. Never one to shy away from risk. He spit in the eye of the Depression years when, against the advice of his bankers and others in the company, he moved forward with the construction of a very expensive pipeline from the West Texas to St. Louis, a pipeline that enabled Phillips Petroleum to move their product across the country quicker than the competition. An interesting side note about Frank Phillips. This man who made his fortune in the oil and gas business, he never learned how to drive a car. Now, as his health and memory worsened, his friends and staff made sure that he always had good support around him. Men like Frank's longtime Phillips employee, Bill Angel, Woolarock Ranch Manager Joe Billum, his loyal butler Dan Matani, and his longtime driver Clayton Fisher. They all made sure that Frank was surrounded by friends. Frank loved Bartlesville, and there was no place that he enjoyed as much as he did his Woolarock Ranch. But the Oklahoma summers were a bit much for Uncle Frank, and because of that, he would schedule a summer visit to Atlantic City, New Jersey with his good friend Bill Angel to enjoy the ocean breeze and the fun of the boardwalk. The first few weeks were just exactly what the doctor ordered as Frank was able to relax, walk the beach, and enjoy the taste of full retirement. His younger brother, Wade Phillips, was a successful oil tycoon in his own right. And during his time in Tulsa, Waite built the beautiful Philbrook Estate in Tulsa, which he donated to the city of Tulsa, the Phil Tower Building in downtown Tulsa, and the massive Philmont Ranch in New Mexico, which he gave to the Boy Scouts of America. Waite was worried about his older brother's health, and he flew from his Los Angeles home to visit Frank in Atlantic City. The visit verified Waite's worry. He could see that Frank's memory was failing, and for the first time in his life, his stronger-than-life brother appeared very weak. He knew that in a few weeks, Frank would be returning to Bartlesville, and Wade hoped that home 
would be good medicine for his older brother. Before they could head home, his health worsened. Complaining of constant and bad stomach pain, on August 20th, 1950, Frank went into the hospital in Atlantic City and the doctors diagnosed him with a very bad gallbladder that would require emergency surgery. Unlike today when it is considered outpatient surgery, back then having your gallbladder removed was major surgery. The next day, the surgery was performed, but afterwards, Frank's initial condition was listed as poor. But the next day, things worsened, and his condition was changed to critical. His son, John, was in Colorado Springs on vacation. Bill Angel called him and told him that his dad was gravely ill. John immediately flew to Atlantic City and rushed to his father's bedside. Frank, barely conscious, opened his eyes to see his only son. And shortly afterwards, on August 23, 1950, the incredible oil man died at the age of 76. Phillips Petroleum sent a plane to Atlantic City to bring their founder home. Word of his death spread across the world. But in the town of Bartlesville, where Frank had called home for almost 50 years, hearts were broken. A hearse from the funeral home met the plane, and as it drove into town, every flag in the city was already at half-staff. On Friday, August 25th, thousands paid their respects to Uncle Frank as they walked through the funeral home chapel. In life, Frank was as comfortable sitting on an oil derrick talking to one of his wildcatters as he was talking to the President of the United States. And his death was no different, as people of every walk of life passed by the Patriarch of Bartlesville. Telegrams of condolences were sent from people such as actor Rudy Valley and President Harry S. Truman, just to name a few. Frank's casket was taken to the townhome for his private funeral service. As the story goes, every business in Bartlesville closed for the funeral. A sadness wrapped itself around the entire community. Frank's casket was placed in the library, just as was done for his dear wife two years earlier. An estimated 200 people attended the service, including oilman William Skelly of Skelly Oil Company. Also in attendance was pilot Art Goebel, the dashing pilot of the Woolarock airplane that won the Dole Pineapple Race. Goebel flew in from Los Angeles to pay his respects to his good friend. Frank's family was there in large numbers, his children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, along with his surviving brothers and sisters. Outside the house, a crowd of Nearly 4,000 people gathered on the lawn and listened to the service from loudspeakers that were mounted on the roof of the great home. The service was brief, about 30 minutes in total. The casket was moved to the waiting hearse, and it started the slow trek to his final resting place at Willowrock. Along the way, after passing Phillips office buildings, service stations, and Hundreds of people standing along the road. His journey was nearly complete. In his book, Oil Man, the author Michael Wallace describes a special moment just as the funeral procession was nearing the front gates of Willowrock. 
a grizzled, unknown cowboy on horseback, rode out from the trees and dismounted from his horse by the side of the road. He took a pair of old boots and stuck them backwards in the stirrups, symbolizing a horse with no rider. The cowboy turned to face the slow-moving hearse, standing tall at attention with his hat held over his heart. Then, as the hearse passed, he put on the hat, mounted the horse, and disappeared into the brush as quickly as he had appeared. The hearse slowly drove the roads into Woolerock, roads that Frank had taken so many times before. This last ride took him to the mausoleum that he had just completed the year before, and he was laid to rest next to his wife. What an incredible life Frank Phillips lived. From a young boy who left home at 15 to find the Wild West, to the young barber in Creston, Iowa, to a man of vision who helped to build a town, a corporation, and an industry that led our country into the 20th century. Frank Phillips, what a special mark that man left behind. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Bob Frazier, and remember, trust everyone, but be sure you cut the cards. If you enjoyed cutting the cards with Bob, come experience Oklahoma firsthand in Osage County, where the smiles are always free. Find out more at visittheosage.com.